season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. the jkr podcast today we have indiana native 2023 auburn signee and former artillery pitcher we got cameron tilly on the jkr podcast cameron super (laughs) pumped to get you on the show man how are you doing today i'm good how are you doing good all right so let's dig into well actually before we dig into your baseball career i have one question i like to ask everybody that gets on the podcast and that is for those who don't know you how would you introduce yourself who exactly is cameron tilly yeah, I mean, uh, my, my name is Cameron Tilly. I live in Indiana. Um, obviously, play baseball, but um, love to golf. Uh, golf's a big hobby of mine. Um, but other than that, I mean, nothing really much to do in Indiana besides golf, lift, and and play baseball. So, um, yeah, I've been been playing baseball for all my life. Uh, played football all my life up until last year. Um, but that's pretty much it. Okay. All right. So I see that Team USA shirt you're wearing right there. Mm-hmm. Let's kind of dig into your travel baseball career leading up, you know, to PDP this summer, then Team USA. So just you play your pitch for artillery. So dig into that a little bit, maybe how you got connected with them. Um, just take us through that a little bit. Yeah. Um, our our head coach, AJ Volmeri, uh, we were previously the Tri-State Arsenal Scout team, um, transitioned to artillery about two years ago. Um, I think he saw me at a showcase for perfect game. So he, he reached out to me then that was around 14 U, and then, um, he helped me get connected with a tons of college coaches. So, um, I always stuck with him, trusted him. So never really felt, felt like I needed to go anywhere, anywhere else. So, yeah. And artillery there, like what, based out of, what is it? North New Jersey. Carolina, New, New, Jersey. Oh, New Jersey. Okay. Yeah. So you did, you were pretty much the only Indiana guy on that team, right? Yeah. he, he tried to base it more of like Midwest guys, but obviously you have to go down South to get a few guys, but I think I was the only Indiana guy, but there, there's a few from Ohio, a few from Pennsylvania, um, obviously a few down South too. So, yeah. So who'd you play with before you played for artillery 14 U? It was the Cincinnati flames. Cincinnati flames. Okay. So how yeah. obviously artillery, I mean, obviously you go down their roster. I mean, you see nothing, but you know, sec, ACC, big 10 commits all over the place. But if you could compare maybe those years you played with the Cincinnati Flames to the to artillery, maybe how they ran, what the game to game looks like, how do those two organizations compare? I mean, the Flames, I think we were we were a top twenty team in the country, but we 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 tended to stay stay around Cincinnati. Um, we went down south a few times with tournaments, but with artillery, I mean, every every tournament was a big tournament. Um, every tournament had power five coaches there watching, um, partly because of of. Ajay and partly just because of all the talent that was there. So um, I would say that would be the main, the main difference was, was the competition that we, that, that we faced. Yeah. So getting to play for artillery now for, was it three or four summer ball seasons? What was that relationship you had with that coaching staff there? Was it the same coach throughout or did they have different coaches for different age groups? Yeah. I mean, Ajay was, was there throughout. Um, he always tried to stay with, with our group as well, because I think we, we were just more, more connected with him. Um here and there, we had different assistant coaches, but um, you you would see see them 
one tournament and not the next, but then they would pop up in another tournament. So, um, but Ajay is very, very relaxed. He knows everybody. Um, he, I think during the recruiting process, he was like, who do you want to talk to? And I told him and I was on the phone with him the next day. So um, he's very, very trustworthy. So, yeah. Okay. So with you being an insider of the artillery program, obviously Ajay is a big reason for their success. But with you being an insider, seeing the way that they run, you know, their tournament, the way that they run their team throughout tournaments, throughout maybe some a couple of practices you guys might do, what do you think has led to that success of that artillery program? I would say it's mainly it's mainly his connections and um, him being able to show like, hey, if you come play for us, we have we have twenty power five arms, twenty power five hitters. Um, it's it's kind of just his his consistency with with recruiting and um, getting kids to. To, to big schools and doing great things. So, so looking back into, you know, these past, you know, four or five seasons and beyond of playing travel baseball, you know, your travel baseball career has come to an end. You're going into your senior year of, uh, sorry, the spring of your senior year. Um, If you had to look back into maybe some of the favorite travel baseball memories you have of your career, a couple things, you know, whether that's, you know, something on the field that you did, maybe something you did, you know, off the field with some teammates, what are a couple of those favorite travel baseball memories that just come to mind? What are you yeah. about travel baseball? Yeah, I mean, I mean, this past summer, especially um, going to East Coast Pro, PDP, um, and then Team USA. I, I would say it's, it's just all the memories you make with with, with the with the te- your teammates and the and and the coaches. Um, you can't really beat that. Obviously, the baseball is fun. Obviously, competing is fun. But hanging out in the hotel with your friends, um, connecting with coaches, and even meeting kids from other teams, it's it's awesome. Yeah. So I, that's probably my favorite part. Okay, so you mentioned East Coast Pro, Team USA, and the PDP. Let's go ahead. Let's kind of dig into all three of those experiences, starting with East Coast Pro. Take mm-hmm. us through, you know, maybe how you got connected with East Coast Pro, what that day-to-day was like. Take us through that experience a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I there was a tryout for East Coast Pro in Ohio. Went to that. Um, got a call a few days later probably um, saying saying I was going to play, play for them. Um, and then it, it was one of the more relaxed events. I would say um, just more getting to know your coaches. I mean, we had coaches from the Diamondbacks, the Dodgers, the Royals. Um, so just picking their minds and, and seeing what, how, how they view baseball and, and all their experiences was um, probably my favorite part of the whole thing. Yeah. So being an East Coast pro and you have coaches that, you know, have professional experience of coaching professional baseball players, you say you're picking their brains, but like, what are some of those questions that you're asking them? Like, are you talking about more of maybe your, your uh, style play on the field or what exactly are you asking them when you're around those guys so close to East Coast pro? I would say mainly just like what they're thinking in, in certain situations, like, Hey, this guy's a really good hitter. What would you, what would you throw in this count? Um, just things like that. More, more of like the, the mental aspect of the game besides you can't really change your physicality, but um, just more of their, like what they would do in certain situations. Okay. All right. So digging into the PDP and team USA from my understanding, you know, I'm still learning this whole the, the baseball scene when it comes to travel baseball, but PDP, you had, that's basically the tryout for team USA, correct? So, so PDP, it's a top 100 kids in the, in the country. And then they knocked that down to 40, which, the 40 goes, goes into Florida for the, the, what they call the trials, the team USA trials. And then after the, there's a week long of trials. And after that week, they, they select 20 for the team USA. And then luckily this year we, we competed in, in USA in Florida, but most of the time it's, it's elsewhere in the, in the world, like 
Uh, I think a few years ago it was in Chinese Taipei. Um, I think next year it's going to be in Mexico. So, yeah. Okay. So for that PDP, I know when I was talking to some other players who have been there in terms of, you know, Max Clark, Zion Rose, a couple other players there as well. Uh, they were talking about how it was a very pro experience. Like they took you through pro workouts. It was like the day-to-day, just like you were a pro baseball player. So for you being a pitcher, take us through what that day-to-day was like, maybe that week in general. What did that look like at PDP? Yeah. Um, I would say it was a lot different for pitchers than it was hitters because, um, hitters just had things to do every, every single day, all day, but pitching, um, the first, first few days were just, just throwing light bullpens and, and, and those things and like running the, running the 60, doing agility. And then, but after I threw it for the first time, um, the next day or two was, was just shagging balls in the outfield. And I mean, every, every event for a pitcher is pretty much lo- learning what you can from the coaches um obviously you have to perform on the mound but um it's it's more it's more how, how much can you learn from from all these uh coaches yeah so going from pdp to team usa trials to actually when you're facing the other countries um there's it's a lot of steps that you, you really like they're basically tryouts leading up all the way to team usa so take us through each one of those moments when you find out okay i'm invited to pdp you know that's an awesome experience still got more work to do now I'm going to team, uh, team USA trials and then eventually on team USA. What was that experience? And what was, what was that like uh, getting to see your name in, in those rosters? Yeah. I mean, um, obviously it's, it, it's awesome. It's, it's kind of a humbling, humbling feeling, um, but you still got to compete. Um, obviously yeah, I, for, for trials, I was, I was excited, um, a little bit anxious. So wanted to get down there and throw, um, but even for even Team USA, I mean, that was the best moment of my life being being called in, in that room. But um, still have to compete. And that was always my mindset, no matter what. Yeah. So you guys go down to Florida with that roster of 40 people for the Team USA Trials. Was that meant – does USA Trials when you guys are scrimmaging against each other, each other inter-squad scrimmages? Or what does that look like? And how long is the, the Team USA Trials? Yeah, so – um. 40 kids uh, split into two teams, and so 20 and 20. Um, the trials were a week long. I think we scrimmaged each other three times. Um, so so we had workouts for the first two days, um, just all with each other, learning learning, bunt drills and uh, stretches and all that. And then the next three days were, were scrimmages, and then they they announced the rosters, and then we started scrimmaging. I think we scrimmaged Canada, we scrimmaged Australia, and then we started the the World Cup. So okay, so take us through that World Cup because I, I if I'm not wrong, I mean you guys won the gold medal here th- this year, right? Yeah, yeah. So take us through that experience, you know, winning the gold cup, but also when you were on the mound, some guys that you were facing, what it looked like facing up against different countries. Take us through that entire experience. Yeah, I mean it, it was an insane experience and people always talk about re- representing your country in some way. Um, but the, the first national anthem standing on the line, um, it's, it's surreal. I mean, uh, tons of emotion, but at the end of the day, you still have to compete. Like I said, um, pitching, I mean, I've never been, never been nervous to pitch. I mean, even with team USA in, in front of all those people um, with a lot of States on the line, n- just have to compete. And I always, I always just think, um, if you do, if you do your best, then then there will be good good outcomes. So, yeah. so being in PDP Team USA, I mean, and even East Coast Pro, if you want to dig into that as well, 
Um, who have been the toughest APs that you have had so far in your career? You're on the mound. I mean, you're facing guys from across the country and during the PDP, during the trials, and then facing you know some of the top prospects across the world um, for the World Cup. Who are some of those you know toughest ABs that you've had so far in your career? Yeah, I mean, a kid I've known since I was ten years old played on the Flames with me, Colt Emerson. Um, he is he is probably one of the toughest outs I've ever faced. Um, faced him faced him a couple times last year, but but this year PDP, um, you just can't really give him a fastball. I mean, he doesn't swing and miss, so you, you kind of have to have to work backwards with him, and and he's a tough hitter to figure out. Um, I would also say Bryce Eldridge is the same way. Um. He's just so intimidating in the box that that you're like, what do I throw this guy? So um, those are probably the two two guys that stand, stand stood out to me the most. Um, just the presence of them in the box is is intimidating. Yeah. So what were so obviously I know you, you mentioned Bryce Eldridge there. I know when I was going through your Instagram to you know you find the social media. Uh, find some pictures from my social media that y'all be posting here uh, mm. for the podcast. I saw you post with Bryce Eldridge. I can't remember who that third player was in that picture as well, but what were some of those relationships that you built during, I mean, playing for artillery, playing through the PDP team, USA East coast pro, just what are some of these relationships that you've built and those bonds that you've built with players from across the country? Yeah. I mean, I mean that that's my favorite part about all of this. Um, like Bryce, I had no, I know I knew who he was, but, I had no connection with him before, before this summer. Um, and, and now we, we FaceTime almost, almost every other day. So um, always, always, always checking up on him. He's always checking up, up on me. So that's that really the, the beauty of, of travel baseball. Um, it's not necessarily how much, how many term, tournaments you win. Um, it's about all the connect, connections you make in the memory. So, yeah. So when you're around guys like, you know, Bryce Eldridge, you know, fellow guys who are projected to be drafted, you know, in 2023, if not, you know, in 2025, 2026, um, are you picking the the brains of those types of guys or for the most part, do you kind of keep it, you know, a friendship relationship? Yeah. I mean, sometimes obviously, but, but I feel like it's, it's, we're all human beings at the end of the day and they're, um, I mean, we all get um, texts and calls and meetings from, from pro guys. So it's, it's good to have, have a have time off and just really hang out with your friends and take a break from baseball yeah all right so moving a little bit into your high school season so obviously you're heading, like I said you're heading into your senior spring um so take us through what you know last season was like you being a junior and now like maybe what the outlook is you know this coming senior spring what you're looking forward to you know being a senior being that senior leader um just what's high school look like so far in your career yeah I mean I mean obviously freshman year there's COVID didn't have a season um sophomore year uh, our team kind of struggled a little bit. Didn't really have the, that leadership that um, many high school teams need to succeed. But uh, last year we had 12 seniors, I think. So um, senior leadership was there. Uh, we had the pitching. Um, uh, I performed pretty well on the mound. Posted a .6 ERA, I think. Went eight zero. So um, last year we did really well. But I think I think this year we have we have a chance to do even better. Um, we have really, really good leaders this year, um, and a, a lower classmen that that love to love to learn and work hard. So, I mean, and what you need in in high school baseball is is the, that team chemistry. That that'll carry you far more than than it will talent. So, uh, yeah, super excited for the spring. 
So being a junior last year with 12 seniors on the team, how have you maybe, you know, taken a role as that senior leader in the clubhouse, you know, with all the guys leaving the team? And maybe there's a lot of players who are unexperienced at that varsity level. How are you, you know, as a power five commit, as a guy who's played for Team USA and been across the country, how are you using your experiences to become maybe a leader for some of those younger guys in the locker room? Yeah, I mean, I mean, last year was was tough because I mean, you have 12 seniors seniors that think they think they are the leaders and they don't really listen and sometimes it's hard to be a junior leading 12 seniors. So, um but yeah, this year um we have we have it's me and and two other seniors that that are have really taken those those leadership roles and um you really need underclassmen that that are willing willing to to learn, learn and listen and um, put forth that effort that that is that is needed for for uh, high school baseball. Yeah. So you talked about Bryce Eldridge and Cole Emerson um, earlier on about your toughest ABs when it comes to travel baseball. But when you're playing here in Indiana, obviously I'm an Indiana guy as well. So you know, I want to hear who this guy is. <laughs> but who is the toughest AB you've had against somebody here within the state? Yeah. I mean, we don't we don't really tend to uh, to travel travel north that much. Um, I haven't faced him in high school, but um, I'm sure Max, Max would be a, a very hard out. Um, but teams that a kid that we played last year from Evansville North, Cameron Decker, he was drafted to the Dodgers. Um, I would say he was probably the toughest I faced last year in high school. Okay. So obviously in, in Indiana, I mean, a hotbed for, you know, baseball talent is, you know, or the Indianapolis area, you go out to, you know, Northern Indiana, Southern Indiana. I mean, there's guys scattered around, but where you're at in Newburgh, when you guys are facing guys in Southern Indiana, uh, who are some, like, just, what does that competition level look like? Maybe some guys, you know, beyond Cameron Decker, who are guys that you were looking out for throughout the season. Uh, what does that competition level look like there in Southern Indiana? Yeah, I mean, Southern Indiana. I've always said it's 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 kind of a slept on area for baseball. Um, I, I, my sophomore year faced Colson Montgomery, first round draft pick. Um, last year faced faced a, a couple of dra- draft picks from from Kentucky and in Indiana. So, and this year, I mean, they're Jasper. Jasper's always always a good team, no matter what. Uh, Enzel North is always a good team. Enzel Memorial, they they always tend to. Um, turnout talent so our our conference is, is is very hard and and a lot of people say that our conference is one of the hardest in indiana um even though it, it is slept on down here so yeah so is jasper in your guys's conference because i know that like jasper southridge i mean you mentioned colson montgomery too i mean i know a couple of years ago like didn't they both like they both won state or something so i, <laughs> I assume that area you know that conference is you know pretty legit legit yeah, yeah. South, southridge isn't but but jasper is yeah okay all right, so digging a little bit into your recruiting process. I mean, I'm looking back there in your room. I see an Auburn flag, a couple of different Auburn football helmets. Um, so let's dig into how you ended up at Auburn. Um, so just digging into the recruiting process, kind of take us through, you know, how that got started, and you know, maybe when Division One teams started reaching out to you. Yeah, I mean, um, I think I think after um, my freshman, after the freshman summer, so my, the summer going into my uh, sophomore year, um, Ajay. RJ started started reaching out to teams or not teams but colleges uh for me um and it was a pretty pretty short and or early process for me so it wasn't it wasn't um too lengthy um but but yeah I mean Auburn the, all the SEC schools I've always said this but all the SEC schools have have the money have the facilities have what it takes to to get players to attract players but um they have Auburn has one of the best 
coaching staffs in the country um, with Carl Maker, He just won assistant coach of the year. Um, Butch Thompson's taken them to two college world series in the past three years. So um, they really had, a, had a vision for me um, and they're personable. So I would say that connection really is what chose me or drove me to, to choose them. Yeah. So you said Ajay was, you know, that he asked you what schools you wanted to get connected with. And within those next couple of days, you were on the phone with some of those schools you, you were interested in. What were some of those initial conversations like? You know, obviously, you know, you don't have to go through everything, but uh, what was the general aspect of those conversations? For the most part, did a lot of these college coaches have the same way of going about it? Or were there some schools that varied a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I would say I would say very early on, every every college I talked to was was the same. It was more getting to know me, getting to know my family, um, talking to, to me about school. I I don't think I ever discussed baseball with with any of them on on the first phone call. So you said you said it was a short period of time from you know when you started talking to schools to when you actually did commit to Auburn. Um, so what were some of those key things that you were looking for when it came to, you know, comparing Auburn to, you know, maybe a, another school in the SEC or wh where, whoever it would have been? Um, what were some of those key things that you were looking for? Yeah, you know, um, obviously my parents were were going to be involved in that because it was a bit, it was a big decision. Um, but I would say academics was, was a main, a main, uh, part of it because both my parents are teachers. Um, but yeah, Auburn has great academics, and obviously, I didn't. I didn't want to go to somewhere that was thirteen hours away. I mean, I would have, but Auburn's Auburn's six hours from me. Um, it's an it's an easy drive. Uh, but and it, it all felt like home. Like people always talk about, oh, you'll have that feeling when you step on campus if if it's right for you, and that's exactly what it was. Felt like home. Um, very tight knit. Uh, very energetic fan base. So, yeah. Yeah. So being, you know, big into the academics with both your parents being teachers, have you thought about, you know, with you being a senior now, have you thought about when you do head to Auburn's campus, what you'll be, what you will potentially be studying? Yeah, I, I plan on uh, studying computer engineering. Okay. So I guess with computer engineering, what does that look like, you know, beyond baseball? Let's say, you know, 15, 20 years down the road, you know, baseball does come, come to an end. You use that degree from Auburn. Like mm -hmm. what does that look like when it comes to, you know, a career beyond baseball? Yeah. I mean, uh, I think I think my, my my dream is is to work for for companies like, like Intel or or Windows or Apple to to um help develop uh like the hardware like like the phones and not necessarily the software side of it um but the designing things how they look how they work and all that stuff so okay so with that recruiting process being you know you said it was a short process like I mentioned there a, a couple minutes ago uh but did you know when you talked to Auburn that you that was the place you wanted to go or were there a couple schools you know that finished potentially second or third in that recruiting process that you know that was maybe a coin flip yeah you know um yeah I mean yeah there was there's a couple in there um Indiana was one of them they were they were one of the main ones um talked to coach Mercer a lot um but it, yeah, it just came down to warmer weather. Uh, Auburn starts, you can get outside in, in January and February. And I know what Indiana weather is like. It's not necessarily, not necessarily perfect for baseball. So, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, Auburn, Kentucky, IU, Alabama, they're all up there, but uh, I feel like Auburn was, was a place for me.
Yeah. So do you remember the day that where you Auburn kind of you know took took the reins and became that favorite to where you actually you know were like, all right, I think Auburn's the place for me. Do you remember that day when you were like, all right, well, maybe Indiana, you know, that's great, whatever, Kentucky, Alabama, but I think Auburn's the place for me. Do you remember that day? Yeah. Um we were down in Hoover uh for a tournament and I I had just pitched and Ajay was like, Hey, let's let's head on over to to Auburn. It's only an hour and a half away. I was like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll go. Um, got there. It was awesome. Um, walked around campus, walked around the baseball field, saw the facilities. Um, and they made a generous offer, and, and it, that was kind of hard to turn down, turn down as well. So, yeah. So with you, you know, playing for artillery, I know Connor Kuplinger also plays on the um, artillery team going to Auburn. But what are some of those other relationships that you have with other guys that are committed with, whether that's your class, maybe the 2024, or even guys who are there now? What are some of those relationships you have uh, with people who are heading to Auburn or already there? Yeah, yeah. Um, like Cole Emerson, I mean, he, he's going to Auburn. Um, he's been, He's been one of my best friends since I was 10, played on the Flames with me. Kevin, Kevin McDonald. Um, played on the team USA with us. Um, he was, he was, I did not know him before the summer, but, um, really enjoy him. Um, and then Cade, Cade B. Lou, uh, he played on, on, on artillery with us. Um, he's a great guy as well. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel like everyone I've met that is going to Auburn, um, for baseball or even school, I mean, they're awesome and we've had a great connection. So, um, that that's that's another thing that that kind of proved to me that Auburn was the place to be. I mean, everybody is just so nice and genuine, um, and actually have your your best interest in mind. So yeah. So you mentioned that Auburn has you know one of the best coaching staffs in the country. Um, the assistant coach won assistant coach of the year. Been to the College World Series two of the past three years. Um, but now with you being committed for so long, what are those relationships that you have with that Auburn coaching staff and how have they evolved, you know, these past couple of years now that you've been committed for a while and, you know, now officially signed as of a couple of months ago? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's been awesome. Um, ever, ever since the beginning, uh, Nonamaker was, was always, always one of my favorite coaches. Um, but even now, I mean, he just does everything right. Does everything by the book. Um and he, he's just a pleasure to be around. And, and that's, that's, that's what you kind of desire in a coach. And, and, but he'll also tell you how it is. He'll, he'll be truthful with you. So um, honesty and, and being personal goes, goes a very long way. Yeah. So, you know, after you commit to Auburn, you know, obviously Auburn's already got, you, you know, in their book for, for the 2023 class, but after a player like yourself, you know, who's committing to a power five there, you're early in his high school career. Like how often are you guys, you know, texting back and forth, calling back and forth, you know, after the commitment, you know, before you head to school, building that relationship before you actually head to campus for your freshman season. Yeah. I mean, uh, since I committed so early on, it was, we couldn't really, really text yet, but I would still call him. Um, but I mean, he was always like, dude, Hey, you still have stuff to prove, still have stuff to work on. Um, and if you do that, then, then you're going to be a great fit here. So it wasn't like, oh, you're committed, you're fine, don't, don't worry about anything. He was like, you still have to work, still have to do all this stuff. Um, so, I would, yeah, I mean, he's definitely pushed me a lot. But, um, yeah, it, it's it's all turned out turned out for the best. So Yeah. So at first when you were, you officially did commit to Auburn, you, like you said, you couldn't, you know, text him back and forth because it wasn't September 1st of your junior year. So take us through kind of that comparison, but before – that September 1st of your junior year. And then after to where now you, you can kind of, you know, it's more free range of talking to college coaches. Um, take kind of take us through that comparison a little bit. 
Yeah, I mean, um, before September 1st, um, it was more of like, it was all business. Um, didn't really have too much time to, to talk. But now, I mean, it's, I mean, it's more of, I don't want to say friendship because it's not really friendship, but it's more of a, a personal connection because, I mean, we just talk about, sometimes talk about life, uh, how's school going, um, how are the workouts at school, just all that stuff, so. Yeah. So obviously, I mean, you like, I mean, we've talked about this whole entire time. That's how I introduced you. You're the 2023 signing to Auburn, but there's also, you know, that chance that this summer potentially you could be taken in the 2023 MLB draft. So take us through a little bit of maybe, maybe what's going on now. Are there scouts, you know, maybe shooting you text, shooting you calls every once in a while, getting to know you, where exactly are you that in, in that process at this point in time in January? Yeah. I mean, um, I've, I've had a, a ton of home meetings um, just scouts coming to get to know me and me and my family. Um, but uh, nothing really to prove right now. I, I mean, I, I've been waiting for the spring. Um, can't wait for the spring to see, see what it holds and, and um, see, see where it takes me, especially in the draft. So. Yeah. So when, when scouts do come in for, you know, in-home meetings, like what is kind of discussed there, obviously, like I said, I mean, you don't have to talk about everything. I mean, there's stuff you want to keep in-house, but what are those general conversations like, you know, when you're meeting a scout for the first time, uh, what are some conversations you guys are having? What does that kind of look like when a scout comes in for in-home meeting? Yeah. I mean, it kind of reminded me of the, the early process of, of college recruitment. Um, I think they're mainly just trying to get a feel on me and my family. Um, if, if their organization would be a good fit, um, all, all that kind of stuff, just kind of away from the, from the baseball side of things. Um, obviously pick my brain about some things with baseball, but it's mainly, mainly just about me and, and, and if, if I think I'm ready and, and my family as well. So. Yeah. So when did that kind of start when area scouts started reaching out to you? Was it this past summer when you're playing travel baseball, potentially when you're at, you know, uh, Cary, North Carolina, when exactly did this whole process kind of get rolling? I would say, I would say the first time I, I talked to one, I mean, obviously at East Coast Pro, I mean, they were, they were our coaches. So um, talked to them, but I would say my first meeting was early November. So um, it's been pretty busy since then, but um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this winter you decided not to play basketball. I know before we started recording, you said you played basketball growing up all the way up until your senior year. So now that you aren't playing basketball, what are some different ways that you've seen your game grow or evolve, you know, now that you're solely focusing on the game of baseball instead of, you know, maybe focusing on two sports there playing there in uh, Newburgh? Yeah. Um, I, I, I think I said that wrong. It, it was football. I, I played up until oh, my bad. My, that, that's yeah. my bad. I think I missed no, you did. Yeah, you did. Um, but yeah, I mean, with football throughout high school, um, was a quarterback. So, um, keeping my arm in shape was, was, was necessary, but it was kind of hard to put on muscle and, and weight with, with playing football. And I feel like this, this off season, I mean, I've put on 15 pounds since, uh, since team USA, um, been lifting a lot, been, been running a lot, getting faster, stronger. So, um, just really preparing for the spring. Yeah. So digging a little bit more into this 2023 MLB draft, another big part of that besides the scouts is the draft advisory or slash agent, whatever you want to call them. Um, I mean, that's what I'm trying to be once I graduate from school here in a couple of years. So when I get a player like yourself on the podcast, I kind of have a few questions I'd like to ask in terms of that advisor selection process. Um, so when was it that advisor started reaching out to you? Um, just take us through that process a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I would say it was, it was early summer. Um, Talked talk to a couple, um, thought we had it narrowed, narrowed down. And then my dad, actually, a guy that he pitched with in, 
in uh, college as an advisor. He's out of he's out of front front line um, in Arkansas. So he, he just reached out to him to to see his opinion on on all that stuff. And um, his name's Derek Bonneker. And so so Derek came up for for a meeting, and then um, he was like, "Hey, we would love to have you." And so I was like, "All right." So it it was more of like a that that connection between my dad and him. But um, he also realized that I, I might have a future. So um, that, that was pretty much it. I mean, it was, it was, it was a very short process and um, it was just more, more of the, who, who you're connected with, I would say. Yeah. So before your dad got connected with his, his college teammate um, in terms of becoming your advisor, what were some of those key things that maybe you were looking at between some of the guys that were already reaching out before your dad got back in connection with his college, your advisor now? Yeah. I mean, I would say the guys that were, that would reach out to me and, and um, you know, it, it's kind of hard to determine, but I mean, you, you can tell when someone's being, being fake and just, and just talking to you because they have to, or someone that is actually genuinely curious about your life and, and um, about your baseball career. So um, I would say the guys that really texted me often saying what's up, uh, congratulating me, blah, blah, blah. Um, were really the guys that that I liked because I mean, you, you could tell they cared and it wasn't they weren't just doing it to because it was their job they they were doing it because they cared. Yeah. So what was the main way that they reached out initially? Was it through text? Were they maybe shooting you an Instagram DM or Twitter DM or something like that in person? Uh, what did that look like for the initial reach out for a lot of these guys? Yeah, I mean it, it was mainly uh, over text. Um, just saying like, hey. Um, seen you pitch blah 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 we'll love to hop on a phone call with you sometime and then just, just, they would just set up a phone call so yeah so were you able to build relationships with any guys besides your advisor now currently um through that short little process or for the most part when your dad reached out to your, his college roommate you're now advisor you were like all right this is the guy that i want um yeah i mean obviously there was there's relationships and, and all that but um he, I, I think Derek was was our guy from from the beginning, and and we just we we settled on him finally. Um, so I think and I have a great relationship with him now. So, um, yeah. All right, so let's dig in a little bit to your actually on the field play. I know when I'm looking at your perfect game PBR accounts, you're listed as a right-handed pitcher and an outfielder. But you know, from watching your film, I'm assuming you're headed to Auburn as solely a, as a PO. Uh, yeah. What is the plan there? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I hit in high school, um, but re was recruited as a PO, going to be a PO. So, yeah. Okay. So in travel baseball, when did you make that switch from, you know, play, maybe playing both ways to, you know, slowly evolving as a PO when it comes to baseball beyond high school? Yeah, I would say w once I switched to artillery, um, Ajay was kind of like, dude, you have a future in, in, in baseball, but it's not hitting. Um, so, um, I would say he was he was the main the main person that was kind of like hey you got to focus on pitching if you focus on pitching you're gonna do great things so um, I think I think that was the the main point. Okay, so once you started focusing on pitching, you know, and just kind of threw hitting to the wayside, be like all right I'll focus on it in the spring, but you know not much beyond that. How did you see your game evolve on the mound? Um, just you know solely focusing on pitching. Yeah, I mean it, it was easier to. Um, put in more work on the mound, off the mound, um, throwing flat grounds, keeping my arm in shape was, was a lot easier. Um, kind of, kind of defining my, my pitches and my, my pitching repertoire. So, um, yeah. 
All right. So talking about pitching repertoire, let's dig into that a little bit. What does your pitching repertoire look like? Kind of take us through what those different pitches are. Yeah. Um, four seam, two seam, uh, slider and, and splitter. And I'm, I'm developing a cutter right now. Um, okay. so yeah. So when you, you, you said you're developing a cutter right now. So when you are developing a pitch or just adding a new pitch to your pitching repertoire, how do you go about adding that new pitch? Cause I know some pitchers, you know, they do it somewhat a little differently than others, but for you, how do you go about developing or just even adding a new pitch to the repertoire? Yeah. I mean, I, I usually take it to my, to my pitching coach, Ryan Miller. Uh, he, He's a guy in Evansville, played in the in AAA, got hurt, but now he runs a, a pitching place. I've been going to him since I was eight years old. Um, but he has a lot of insight on not only what the pitches I have currently, but what would work great with the the pitch pitching the pitches I have now. Um, and he, he was like, "Hey, let's develop a cutter," and I was like, "I'm all for it." So, um, still, in the, it's still in the, the developing stages right now, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's going pretty well right now. Yeah. So throwing a four seam and a two seam fastball, I assume the four seam was probably the fastball that, you know, growing up, that was probably the pitch that you threw. How did you develop a two seam off of that four seam fastball? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was just um, as I as I started throwing harder, started having more movement on the two seams. So and I was like, well, this can be, be a dangerous pitch when I want it to be. So I wouldn't say I, I use it quite a bit because I, I really don't, but um. If I need to, to, to show the hitter something different than I will. Yeah. So obviously besides the fastball, what would you consider your best secondary pitch? And then maybe the pitch besides the cutter that might need the most work when it comes to developing. Yeah, I, I would say, I would say my slider is probably, probably my best pitch. Um, I can, I can really throw it in any count three, one, I can land it for a strike. Oh, two, I can bury it in the dirt, get you swing. Um, but, um, and I, I I've really really done well with my splitter, especially in the the past summer and the past spring. Um, but if I had to work on anything, it would probably be my splitter and just um, not more of of how to throw it and, and the how to get more break, but when to throw it and and and, and where. So. Okay. So dig in a little bit to the mechanics of your pitching windup, you know, going down there to your guy down in Evansville, who, you know, played professional baseball. I'm sure he's played a pretty big role in your mechanics, in your windup, stuff like that. But take us through your mechanics and then kind of how you develop them over time, you know, playing in all these different events. Yeah. I mean, I, I've always been, been a, a smooth pitcher. Um, so even when, it, even when I'm giving hundred percent, it doesn't really look like it, but um, I was a, I was a catcher for, for probably two or three years when I was younger, um, was a, was a quarterback. So, um, just, and those are very much different arm paths than, than pitching. So, um, Ryan throughout those years was, was just, um, pretty much there to, to define my arm path and and find what's comfortable. But yeah, I would say, I would say my, my pitching mechanics now are, are more smooth and, um, yeah, I mean smooth. Yeah. Yeah. So so looking at yourself, you know, when you're on the pitcher's mound, and we can even take this beyond the pitcher's mound to when you're actually interacting with with your catcher, interacting with some of your teammates. If you were a scout that was watching your game, what would be that personal scouting report you would write on yourself? Yeah, um, probably throws a lot of strikes, um, isn't afraid to throw throw any of his pitches in any count, um, really attacks hitters, um, and is confident. Right. So being a pitcher that, you know, that's going around to, you know, all these different events, going to PDP, going to Team USA trials, Team USA, playing for artillery. How do you go about building relationships 
with the catcher that's going to be catching you behind the plate. And then when you are playing for Team USA and artillery, for the most part, do you kind of keep that same catcher or do they kind of move it around a little bit when you're at these types of events? Yeah, I mean, at, at all these events, um, I had I had very elite catchers. So um, there wasn't really any any learning curve with, with, with that because, I mean, they all had – excellent minds um it was like having having a coach behind the plate but they could they could block and and receive and throw so um i wouldn't say i didn't have any issues with catchers this year and and any any of that so yeah yeah all right so i want a couple here a couple couple last questions before we end it off so i want to dig a little bit into arm care obviously arm care just continues to grow and grow and grow i mean you don't have you know even major league ball players you know no one's throwing 300 innings like they were, you know, just 15 years ago or so. So arm care is, you know, becoming a big emphasis within the game of baseball. But for you, take us through your arm care routine, you know, through the off season, maybe what that deload is, what that ramp up's like. And then even in season, what does that look like, you know, going from, you know, pitching a game, starting on the mound, and then whatever days of rest you get. Um, take us through the arm care in season and out of season. Yeah, so um, this off season, I, I try to throw it three times a week or – I guess four times a week, um, three of them, two of them, just, just like normal catch, touch and feel, um, one of them long toss and then another on the, off a, off a mound. Um, don't do any heavy balls. I mainly just, just use bands and, and stretch. And, um, but I, I feel like most of my progress has come from, from long toss and, and really the, those touch and feel, um, flat rounds that I throw, um, but yeah, in season after I'm like, let's say the day after I pitch, um, I'll throw I'll throw light, but then probably the day after that I'll throw long, um, see how my arm is feeling, and then it's kind of just like day by day and and how I feel on on a daily daily basis. So yeah, so at this point, you know, in in the in the schedule, January, we're still two months away before you know your first official practices with your high school team. Um, what does this ramp up schedule look like here these next couple of months? You know, getting ready to you know go throw in the spring, in the summer, in the fall. If you head to Auburn as well, um, just what does this what does this ramp up look like these next couple of months? Yeah, so, so right now, kind of just throwing seventy five to eighty percent bullpens. Um, I think as we as we get later in in January and early February, I'll start um maybe doing like a ninety percent bullpen, but later in February and early March, um. I'll be doing full, full hundred percent. Um, maybe, maybe working counts with, with, with some guys throwing live and, and all that stuff and just really preparing for the spring. Yeah. So heading into the spring, what are some of the goals that you have on the personal side of things when it comes to you on the baseball field for the entire year of 2023? Um, just take us through what some of those goals would be. Yeah. Um, I would, I would say I, I was discussing this with, with some of my teammates today. Um, having having a, a team era below three would be would be very awesome for our, our, our high school team um so uh, i i tend to stay away from from personal goals in, in baseball just because it's it's a team sport and ha- having these personal goals isn't always the best for the for the team and and kind of the idea behind the whole team is you want to win a state championship um so um but I mean, obviously you have certain numbers that, that you're trying to hit. Um, but I would say all of my goals are, are for the team and, and, and for my teammates. So, okay. all right. So heading into your final year of high school, heading into, you know, the potential, uh, potentially being an Emily draft pick or potentially heading to Auburn, 
What are these couple of what are the couple of things in your game that you're wanting to work on most before you head to this next level? Yeah, I would I would say mainly just just the the mental side of the game and um really how to attack hitters and and studying the hitters and studying their swings is is probably what what I've been focusing on the most. Okay. All right, man. So that was kind of like the final baseball question I have for you on the JKR podcast. I've got, you know, four to five questions I like to end it off the podcast with, with every guest I get on the podcast. Um, so just digging into my rapid fire first question. So when you're looking at your baseball career, um, obviously, you know, play, playing for a, uh, is how do I say it? Ajay? Ajay. Ajay. So yeah. playing for Ajay for artillery, you know, going to all these different events. Who have been the most two to three influential people within your baseball career, and what would be the reasonings for them being so influential? Yeah, I I, I think I'll I'll start out with um, Coach Mosley for he was, he was the pitching coach for for USA. Um, he was I mean he was extraordinary um, picking his mind every game. I mean I was right right beside him either doing the clip clipboard or um, him telling me me to go warm up. Um, I'll say he was one of the main ones. Um, I would say Carl Nonemaker, the assistant coach at Auburn, has been has been a big part too. Um, just just having that connection with me and and my family, um, walking me through th- through the whole college process and and all that stuff has been been very very um, we've been very fortunate to have him on our side. So, all right. So question number two, you dug into it a little bit when you did your little introduction there, but when it comes to beyond the game of baseball. What would be some passions that you have, you know, beyond, you know, going up to the mound, you know, throwing the fastball by somebody, what are some of those passions beyond the game of baseball? Yeah. I mean, in the spring and summer and and sometimes in the fall, I mean, I'll be on the golf course almost every day. Um, I have, I have a lot of friends that, that like to golf and, and we love to go and we have a, we have a few courses around me that are, that are really nice. Um, so golfing, uh, hanging out with friends. I mean, not really much to do in Indiana. So, um, yeah, I would say that's about it. Okay. All right. So when it comes to motivations, what is it that, you know, gets you out of bed every morning, helps you go, you know, go win the day, go get better. What are some of those things that, you know, just, you know, that you have in your mind internally that help that motivate you and helps you go get better? Yeah, I mean, like the, the saying that there's always, always somebody out there working harder than you. Um, that just kind of irks me a little bit because I, I, I don't want somebody to be getting better, um, and when I'm just sitting down or, or in bed. So um, I always want to be the best. And I would say competing and and, and winning is, is what really drives me. Um, I like to be the best at almost like anything I do, whether that be baseball or school or, or golf. So I would say competition is, is what drives me the most. Okay. So taking that question just a little bit further, I mean, you continue to compete against, you know, people within the baseball, within the baseball industry, within whatever happens within your, the rest of your life. What does that perfect picture of your life look like 20 years down the road? Everything's going right. You continue to use those motivations to compete against everybody. What does that perfect picture look like? Yeah. I mean, it, it it's, it's so hard to tell. I, I mean, um, ideally be, be retired by in 20 years and, um, have a nice family and, and all that, but I mean, it's, it's, it's all where, where God takes you. And, um, I, I'm just along for the ride, I would say. Okay. All right. So down to my final question here on the JKR podcast question, I ended off with everybody, especially, you know, you high school athletes committed to power five schools. 
you know, when you do get to Auburn, you're going to be able to capitalize off your name, image, and likeness. Or even if you go play professional baseball after this year at the next level, you'll get that chance to, you know, capitalize off some endorsements. When you're looking at that, looking at brands across the country, what would be your dream a dream brand to endorse in the future? Man, um, I would say I would say one that that is a major. I'll, I'll, I'll give you two. One that isn't is a major a major company would probably be Nike. I mean, I've always been a fan of them. I have tons of Nike clothes and all that. But um, I would say the second and probably one of the least popular is Rain energy drinks. I love Rain. Uh, they're awesome. So I, I would say that that would be a kind of a kind of a, a cool thing for me. Okay. When'd you make that switch from Rain? <laughs> like in, like I guess what energy drink did you start with? Did you start with Red Bull and move on to Rain or how? I did mean, that work out? it was mainly Monster just because um that was kind of the the, the mainstream brand um and then my, one of my friends introduced me to Rain and I was like man this is awesome and and all the flavors have been have been awesome for me so. Yeah. See, I, I started out with Red Bull, so I never drank any energy drinks, you know, growing up. But then last year I was, I started working at a bar here in Bloomington. I, I go to IU. I don't know if you know yeah. that, but no. um, I started working at a bar here and obviously you're going, you're, you're going to bed at four or 5 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> and I mean, that, yeah. that sleep schedule going from the weekend to the week where you're waking up at 8 a.m. for classes, it, it kind of messes with you. So I started drinking Red Bull, but now we got Ghost. Ghost, Ghost is very yeah. good too. I, I, I evolved a little bit and just jumped a little bit ahead of Red Bull, but, uh, but no, man, uh, that's all the questions I have for you here on the J care podcast. You know, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, you know, whatever does happen this next year, when you do head to the next level, I, I do want to wish you the best of luck, obviously this spring for the rest of your career. Um, just best of luck there. I'll definitely be following you, obviously Indiana guy. Um, so, I mean, I follow everyone that comes out of the state, so I'll be following you now for the rest of your career or so, but I'm um, just best of luck. And I do really appreciate you coming on the J care podcast. Yeah, man. I, I uh, thank you. Um, I appreciate it. And, and yeah, thank you for having me.